Welcome to the She He We Awakening podcast. We are a wife and husband therapy team whose professional and personal lives are centered on psychology and spirituality. We love sharing what we've learned on our journey of becoming conscious through relationship, and we invite you to get to know us and hopefully hear in our stories something that can support you in your life too. Here we are. We meet again. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> over and over again. Yes. So um, you had mentioned um, that there were some specific things that were coming up that you thought would make for um, a good chat, a good mm -hmm. educational chat. Mm -hmm. So I'll what is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> one of the things that I hear, and I know you hear a lot when we work with clients and when we work with couples is that in the heat of the moment, um, when people are in trauma or in re-experiencing trauma or triggered, that they have a really hard time taking a step back centering themselves, grounding themselves and being able to communicate effectively. And so I had an experience today, just this morning, not with you within my own self, um, where I got, I got to, um, it's almost like I was having a conversation with myself. <laughs> um, and I'll share the story for context for everyone. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to urgent care um, in order to get my ear checked out because I couldn't hear completely out of one ear. And I had a very pleasant encounter with a nurse and a doctor, well, probably lasted about 15 minutes. And they poured something in my ear to clean out wax. And I left. And I got a, a prescription antibiotic and all that. Um, fast forward to today when I receive a very large bill in the mail. And I immediately text you and I say, this can't be true. It, it's not possible that having your earwax removed can cost a thousand dollars. How can this be? And you say, well, I think it's probably not real. And then we both go off and start Googling and researching. And I realize after calling that it is in fact true, that in fact, this company is trying to charge a thousand dollars. And I went into a whole story a whole downward spiral around where, you know, I don't have this money. I can't afford this. Where is this going to come from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, I was having this inner voice that was watching this whole thing go down, <clears throat> excuse me, watching the spiral and, and saying, isn't this interesting that I'm having this reaction? Isn't this kind of funny? I mean, I literally laughed at one point at myself doing this hat, this thing that I do when I get a big bill and I don't know where, you know, how I'm going to pay it. And that observer, that kind of humorous and light voice inside helped me to kind of break out of this pattern, see what it was, and also recognize that actually I do have enough money to cover this bill. And there are avenues for you know, I can call and, and try to get the bill reduced and, and all kinds of things that I can do. Yeah. And so that, that little voice that kind of kept it light, that was laughing in the moment of also freaking out is kind of what kept me from, you know, being overly reactive and getting lost in a whole melodrama for the rest of the entire day. 
which is absolutely how I would have been in the past. And so I recognize that that ability to cultivate a sense of presence of wisdom and of humor, even in the moment when things seem terrible is just really hugely important to communicating with others and not only your own stuff, but also when you're in a difficult conversation with someone and Yeah. So, I mean, your example isn't interpersonal uh, romantic relationship, but it is relational in that you had to sort of turn into the world and engage with this in some way. And, um, you know, I'm sure that it helped you have a much more pleasant and potentially productive interaction with the billing woman (laughs) who said, oh, well, actually, yeah, you know, uh, turns out we can recategorize you potentially somewhere else and maybe that's cheaper it allowed you to be as productive as possible in the world um, mm-hmm. instead of being reactive. And so, yes, I, I agree that I think um, knowing the difference, cultivating the ability to distinguish um, when we're sort of lost in our egoic reactivity um, and just being able to see that. We, and that's, I think, probably the first step. It's you know, we, we make it sound very simple when we just sort of talk about it in this fashion. Oh, you just step into your observer function and sort of watch it unfold. And mm-hmm. um, it does become easy and intuitive and even automatic, but early on, um, that's going to be really difficult for people, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, what's, what, is, what is step one for people? It's just maybe cultivating enough space between ego reactivity and, and self to, to be able to look over there and say, um, wow, I am really upset right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause if there, if there is a calm observational rational part of your being that can, that can observe that and make that statement calmly, like, wow, I am really angry right now with that calm voice. Then technically you are not completely lost in that ego reactivity. <clears throat> yeah so it definitely doesn't happen overnight it takes a long right. time right well for me it took a long time yeah yeah I, I mean I think it took um years I mean I don't I wouldn't know how to put an exact number on it but years certainly um but it's also at the same time it starts paying off right away right so mm-hmm. um so it feels important for me to um, sort of go back to what is it that most people are experience uh, are experiencing in their relationship in these kind of situations, and and having been in those situations myself, and then working with people in relationships, essentially what it is is you have two people who are lost in ego reactivity, um, attempting to relate to one another right? Mm -hmm. Thinking on some level, um, this is an argument to win. This is a problem to solve. Um, There is a um, massive confusion that we're going to sort of sort out and and be sort of anchored into um, something rational when we're done with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the the first thing that people need to understand is that when, when you're in those moments, there's absolutely nothing productive happening. 
It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what, what you're thinking of as your higher rational function is telling you. It's not your rational function. It is absolutely your ego. And those are not the same thing. That's maybe a different chat, <laughs> segment yeah. to, to different chat to talk about. Um, and in fact, it's, it's our investment in this idea when we're feeling emotionally reactive and engaged in a conversation with a significant other um, or an argument or a fight or whatever you want to call it, that part of you that's telling you that, that there's a right and a wrong and that you're in your rational frame of mind is, is in fact insane in that moment. Mm. It is, it is an insane person convinced, trying to convince you that they're sane mm -hmm. and that, and that everything is okay. And that if you just sort of dig your heels in harder and, and really make your point very firmly that, that something productive is going to happen here, the other person is going to get you right. Going, going to understand you. Um, I, yeah. And I hear that all the time that people yeah. get caught in these long, like two, three hour conversations oh my God. trying to, I know it's so exhausting to imagine. I think it's super common. I agree. I, I certainly on. have my memories of them um, that I look back on now and go, what <laughs> in the holy hell? <laughs> Why did I spend more than five minutes of my life force <laughs> in that experience? Yeah. But we don't, we don't know better. Um, of course, that's how you and I can talk about it now is because, of course, we've, we've both been there. Right. Been lost in that. Um, yeah, I was just so looking that, up. You remember, yeah. you remember that, that group, Gottman Institute? I do, yeah. The, it's a couple that have done research on, on relationships for decades. Yeah. And it talks about um, flooding. And I'm trying to remember the, the different signs of that. Talks flood, about flooding? Flood, it's called flooding when you're it's basically fight or flight okay and and if you're in the state you have to give your body at least 20 minutes away from the person that you're having the difficulty with yes in order to um really have a productive conversation right like you said it, there's too much reactivity there's too much emotion you think that by staying in this uh tense conflict that you'll be able to just kind of breakthrough and like it's just around the corner there's going to be a breakthrough that's right that's yeah. right yeah um yeah so that that feels like a really important sort of early take home for people is mm -hmm. um you must learn to recognize when you are in reactivity when you are in an elevated emotional state it doesn't mean you can't be passionate it doesn't mean that logic and passion can't work together to help guide your life. Um, but I think if people have the capacity to be honest with themselves, it, it's not that difficult to feel into um, the moment um, or even use a past experience and sort of go back in time and sort of feel into what that was like and, and recognize that sense of, of kind of elevation, fight or flight, right? Yeah. Um, where the whole body has kind of a humming charge to it and you're you're really sort of tense and riled up and reactive and ready to lash out and um you know it doesn't matter if it seems like you're right <laughs> if you're convinced that you're right you know again all of that is part of what causes these things to spiral for hours at a time and, and cause 
significant relationship difficulty is people's um, inability to distinguish conscious from unconscious, mm -hmm. right? And the reality is, is when we're in that hyper elevated um, fight or flight, sympathetic animal type state, we are absolutely unconscious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that there's still the ego voice <laughs> there participating saying, I'm being wronged. This other person is crazy that they disagree with me. They're not seeing the logic of it. I'm definitely right. It doesn't matter that that ego voice is there. If it's accompanied with that kind of um, animalistic elevation, um, you, you just have to trust that sensation and, and, and learn to disengage and recognize there's nothing good happening here if... Yeah. If I'm making my case from the state of elevated, frightened, um, oh, defensive animal, yeah. yeah, anger, defensiveness, fear, all wrapped up in that kind of elevated um, physiologic response. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just recognizing and trusting that when you're in that state, whatever you think is conscious, you're wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and we both, you and I both you know, have learned that and, and, and know that well, um, and are able to, uh, recognize that when you and I have things that come up. Mm -hmm. um, I think how I handled it initially, because I, I, when I, when I first was in relationship with you and I still had a lot of, um, emotion and trauma held in my body and I would very quickly go into a flooded state or a triggered reactive state um the way i i figured out how to manage that was to write to you and mm -hmm. to do so very um mindfully and carefully you know mm -hmm. i wasn't like just vomiting like angry words like it would take me an hour or two hours even to get it all out send it to you and wait for your response right. and that's how i um gave myself grace when I, I simply couldn't feel safe, um, face to face. Um, and that evolved into, you know, me saying, okay, I know you want to write this out, but <laughs> it's okay to just speak your truth and right. have the conversation in the moment. Right. And, um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think that's a great option. Um, for people who have difficulty um, finding that observer function in the moment and potentially being able to communicate what you're experiencing and feeling in that moment. In other words, um, you know, getting lost in the reactivity, lost in the unconscious context. And by writing it out, um, and I would actually suggest that um, at least this has been true for me that even if you do sort of just vomit it all up onto paper you know long before you hit send what you're going to have is you know um a checklist of all of the contents of your of your trauma your mm -hmm. unconsciousness right mm -hmm. um and you're going to be able to look at that and it is going to provide useful information um mm -hmm. the problem is is if you sort of re view that that list of what you've vomited up out of your unconscious and go damn right 
<laughs> send. <laughs> send. <laughs> well, then, then you're still just lost in it, right? Like <laughs> anytime yeah. you're convinced you're right, it's a problem. I think, I think we can just sort of say that that's a, you know, kind of take that one and, and stamp it on each other's foreheads. Right. And so that you're always looking at it whenever there's conflict. Right. Um, yeah. If there's not room and space for the other person's perspective, um, because yours is so ironclad, then um, it's, it's, it's going to lead to difficulty. And mm -hmm. also, I, I think by definition, um, there's something that you're unconscious about around that. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a paradox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, think, um, I think being really conscious of what is happening for you internally in any given moment means leaving space for what you don't know about yourself. In other words, consciousness has a little space in there for unconsciousness to, to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not being, you know, not being a hundred percent convinced you're right is I think also a prerequisite for productive conversation or disagreement. Yeah. What are what are the what are the other sort of um, telltale signs um, and, and, and prerequisites sort of for for making these things um, productive? Because it's not like you and I don't have moments of disagreement or tension in our relationship. It's just that we know how to work with them. We know what they're there for, and they're always productive. We always we always get somewhere. Well, backing up a little bit. I, I just want to say my general attitude about conflict has always been to be avoidant. And so I know there are folks watching this who, if they are really honest with themselves, love a good conflict. Mm -hmm. Like there's something <laughs> about that energy that mm -hmm. helps them you know, freeze them or they perceive it as being free or they just get out their poison, whatever their pain is, they, mm -hmm. they get a chance to kind of erupt. Um, so I would say for me, one of the prerequisites is, is having, being in relationship with someone who, not that you share a conflict avoidance with me, although you did in the beginning, I think. Um, we generally don't like to get all revved up and riled up at each other. That's not something yeah. we enjoy. Like our intent, our intention is for clarity. Our intention is for more intimacy. And um, I think that's super important. Like that is kind of the underpinning yes. of our communication, even sure. in difficult conversations. Yes, there's a mutual understanding and mutual agreement most of which has always been there on, in an unspoken fashion between us, although it has been spoken as well, um, that, that we're both more interested in um, using the relationship as a vehicle for growth than we are being right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's another, again, coming back to the stamp on the forehead, if you're really convinced you're right, that's that's one part of it. If you're really invested in being right, right? Mm -hmm. And that's I think that's what's underneath um, people who are really 
attracted to conflict. Yes, there can be all kinds of trauma responses that, that feed into that and you can do CRT work and clear a lot of that and that can get you sort of um, de-escalated and, and less conditioned to, to want and need your nervous system in that elevated conflict response. Mm. Um, but fundamentally underneath that, um, psychologically speaking, it's, it's a need to be right, mm -hmm. desire to be right, um, which of course protects you from being wrong, which means that it's less likely that you'll feel out of control. Um, so it's, okay. it's more right. shame, whatever, Guilt yeah, whatever. Fe feeling avoidance, um, all kinds of things, right? But, mm -hmm. um, but, but yes, I mean, certainly it sounds a little bit silly that, yeah, yes, a prerequisite is to choose the right person. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, know who you're engaging with, right? Yes, right. So when you're having a difficult conversation, you might be partnered with or speaking to someone who loves to argue. Yeah. And that's going to require a whole different set of, of responses than right. someone like yourself and myself, where our main focus is for harmony. Like right. we want harmony and truth, not right. I need to be right or I have to be louder or whatever the <laughs> right. thing is. But it, you know, it should be noted that, that um, even if somebody is in relationship with, with another person who is um you know attached and, and and addicted to drama and conflict that that doesn't mean that you can't be productive mm. the, the, the productive aspects will be in your own healing it still provides an opportunity for you to sort of stand across from somebody who loves conflict and really needs to be right and practice just going mm. okay um i get that you think you're right <laughs> I have a different feeling and it's clear that nothing I say is going to change that. So um, that's it. Um, and just kind of surrendering into um, not winning an argument. Right. Um, that's a very fine line. Of course, you know, if, if you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody and that's, that's really their default way of being, then it's going to require constant, you know, self um, abandonment <laughs> potentially. So mm -hmm. again, diff different conversation, but I think um, there's plenty of opportunity for people to practice stepping out of ego um, in, in ways that feel uncomfortable and, and including when the other person can't do that or isn't doing that or refuses to do that. Um, and, and for me, I think, um, Sometimes the, the easiest moments for me to, to step out of ego um, have actually been, whether that's, let's just say with, with you, because previous relationships um, are, are great um, educational vehicles for, <laughs> for, um, for me. So, um, you know, when you and I have had things come up and you are having a moment of sort of really being activated by something, um, it's actually been easier for me to just go, okay, I see that something is happening over there and there is nothing here for me to do about that. <laughs> right. Like there is there's there's a lot no, happening over there. <laughs> there's a lot happening over there. There's no conversation to be had here. It doesn't matter that I disagree. It doesn't matter that I feel like 
I can see the obvious and clear need in this situation that feels so confusing and emotional to you. Like none of that matters. And it's, it's really easy when you're in a heightened state for me to, to be um, non-egoic and totally uninvested in being right or in solving a problem. Um, Even if it feels directed at me and, and I can't think of a single instance. I mean, that's, that leads us to maybe another point is um, recognizing that um, recognizing that, that even when we are triggered and activated and emotional and in the animal reactivity, that doesn't mean we have to point it at our partner, right? Mm. <clears throat> we can just let that be what it is without making it bad or blaming it and, and uh, be with the tension of that within ourselves without having to, to direct it um, and shoot it um, like a weapon at our partner. Mm. Yeah. And that brings up another point. Um, when, when I'm feeling really emotional and, you know, in my stuff, the fact that you actually get more quiet and just let me have the wave of emotion that I Mm -hmm. am going to have, whether I like it or not, Mm -hmm. um, really, really provides me with a sense of safety and trust that it's okay that I'm having the emotions, even though my mind might be like, this is annoying. I don't want to be really emotional about this. Um, But I think that's really hard for a lot of people. I think when a partner sees their other partner getting upset, a really common response is to um, feel uh, blamed, Mm -hmm. feel guilty, feel uncomfortable, want to leave, want to run away, um, lash out. Um, you know, in other relationships, when that happened, I did not receive compassion. Yeah. It was more like, why are you upset right now? I don't, you know, rationalizing like why I shouldn't be upset. Yeah. So I think that's the pitfalls of when there's one person that's really triggered and feeling stuff that, that there's an opportunity there to, to be silent, to be compassionate that's actually really hard to do sometimes. It's really requires a lot of work to be able to get there maybe. Yeah. And so there's, there's another opportunity there to recognize um, ego reactivity and step out of it is, Mm -hmm. is when your partner is elevated and emotional and either is, or seems to be sort of directing that at you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're being attacked. Um, there's an opportunity there, even, even if the partner is pointing a finger and saying, you know, and you know, really, really projecting all of that unconsciousness at you, there's still the opportunity to just go, okay, um, how can I help here? Mm -hmm. Right. And just not engage at that same level. Um, and yes, it does require the ability to step out of um, our own ego responses. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we are feeling um, blamed or shamed or projected on or, or whatever, um, the ego wants to respond to that at that level. Right. Um, and so the practice in relationship is, is to just not do that. <laughs> right. And again, it comes back to the very first point, recognizing that when there is elevated emotion 
and reactivity, nothing productive is going to happen. It's, it's just not. So um, stepping out of the ego's need to respond at that level and to defend. There's, there's another takeaway point. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe we'll kind of list these out in the description of the video, but uh, another takeaway point I think is to recognize when the need to defend yourself arises. Mm -hmm. Only the ego needs defending. Only the ego wants to defend. Mm. If so, if you feel really, and again, we're, we're, we're talking about um, functional relationships here. We should make that clear. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not yeah. talking about physical abuse or severe right. emotional abuse or violence. We're talking about yeah. um, difficult but functional relationships. Um, that need to defend one's self is, is the ego. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so you just know, like if you can look out there and go, okay, well, what's, where's the threat? What am I defending myself from? Well, if it's a gun or a knife or a fist, right? That's an appropriate <laughs> sort of need, right? If the need to defend oneself is against the story of, of your relationship history and who said what and who did what or who was right or wrong or, um, you know, um, defend yourself against feeling shamed or defend yourself against feeling blamed. The, these are not emergent sort of situations. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, recognizing that, that that internal elevation that you get and that need to, to defend, that's, that's what ego feels like. Right. Which is when it's important to recognize in the moment, <clears throat> ah, I feel super defensive right now. Yes. I am not going to be clear. Right. No matter what, I'm not going to come across in the way that I want to. That's from my heart. Yep. It's all just my, uh, you know, depending on how you look at it, past trauma, you know, showing up or karma unfolding or whatever. Right. Lots of ways of viewing it. Yeah. Right. But, but it can't be stated strongly enough that that's true. Even when you are 100% right, <laughs> mm -hmm. even if your partner is really misinformed or just really hyper-emotional and unconscious and saying things that are just not rational and don't make sense, and you know the whole thing had been recorded on video and you're going to be able to go back and replay the video and prove your point, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody's had one of those fantasies, right? People God, love those God knows I did, right? Like, like, oh, I wish that the video had been recording so I could yeah. rewind it and say, look and see. Even if you could do that and you're 100% vindicated by the data, <laughs> it is still incorrect to and unhealthy and unproductive to defend yourself in those situations um, because it means you have stepped into the ego mm. instead of um, stayed in the self and in love and compassion. So I'm, I can't think of any specific examples. Um, I think the one thing, well, not the one thing, make it sound like you do one thing right and everything else is a disaster. <laughs> one of the many things. <laughs> um, that you do exceptionally well in relationship, but, but something that has always really stood out to me um, is that when you're in your moments, um, you do not 
aim them at me. Mm. I, I don't know that I've ever had an experience with you doing that. I, I know I cannot say the same for myself. Um, when I have moments that come up, <clears throat> I'm much more inclined to my unconsciousness to look for someone or something to blame. And, you know, you or the dogs tend to be pretty convenient, right? <laughs> but, but, but in those rare moments when I've sort of lost myself in unconsciousness to, to that extent, and it might even be usually subtly, but in some way sort of directed at you, mm. you, you never respond at that level. Um, and you're able to just like I am to, you know, when you're elevated and I can remain here and sort of surrendered, you do the same. Um, but it's, it's a good example of even when I might subtly be trying to sort of point something at you, um, you know, you're, you're sort of the energetic and emotional Bruce Lee, where you just sort of slip, you know, be, be like water. You're like, you're like water and you just, and it just sort of moves right by you. And there's, there's zero reactivity um, for, from an ego perspective. You're just not invested in being right. You just sort of let me have my moment. Um, but again, part of why we, we, we can do that in our relationship so readily is that is the knowing and the trust that we've built between each other, mm. that, that even when I'm lost in that, you're, you know, I'm not invested <laughs> in winning an argument or being right or having my way. Mm -hmm. And that as soon as that has sort of passed and I, and I come back into my conscious self, um, I can stand and look at that and go, okay, that was a hot mess. Um, I got, I've got some things to look at, <laughs> right? And, and any previous sense of wanting to kind of point that and direct it at you will just totally dissolve. So there's, there's trust, there's a mutual trust that the other person is going to look at their stuff and yeah. take full responsibility for their experience. That's, that's I think, yep. another really important piece is... Um, <clears throat> well... I think I realized, and here's how I got there. I realized years ago that as long as I kept making you the cause of my pain, that I was going to keep suffering forever, right. <laughs> just forever. Right. And I decided that it's far more empowering for me to center myself mm. and to understand that in every thing that comes up between us, with, with us that I am the one feeling the feelings and I am the, the spring from which the, those feelings come from. I mean, mm -hmm. they don't come from outside of me. They come from inside of me. And therefore that's where I need to be and, and go. If I want to feel, if I want to release them or feel some yeah. other kind of way, not mm -hmm. angry or sad or whatever. Yeah. And, a strategy that I did along the way towards that was instead of bringing my blame and judgment to you, I had therapists to talk to. I had friends to talk to where I could say, and they were really good therapists and friends who, anytime I got lost in this, the storyline of, you know, Noah is this and Noah is that, and he's done this. And that means that, and all of that, they would just listen and say, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and 
that none of that is true. (laughs) Like they would just repeatedly affirm that these things are not true and kind of point me back to my own self, my own experience. Right. And that helped me from bringing that home to you and just, you know, yeah. Until, until it just became natural for me to feel that way and see the world that way. Yeah. So a willingness to take responsibility for your own feelings and your own life experience. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that's pretty high on the checklist there of, um, again, sort of requisite um, attitudes mm-hmm. for being in a healthy relationship. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we should come back in this right now, if we can, to some of the preliminary. Some of the, because I know a lot of people aren't, don't have that attitude yet, or they're working yeah. on developing that attitude, or they're not even sure what attitude they're really in. And this sounds nice, but you know, it's yeah. not how their life is playing out. Just re- kind of what are the ways that people can begin to be more present in these hard conversations with others and also during times of stress? Yeah. So, so I even want to back up a little bit further than that and and just kind of say, you know, um, I think it's important to distinguish the difference between conflict and tension. Right. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Our relationship is conflict free. Mm -hmm. It is not tension free. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If you're having a tension-free relationship, then <laughs> it's pretty you're boring. Not sh- you're not sharing something with me, right? <laughs> um, so, um, so it is, I think it's important to state that 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 I do think because you'll you'll hear other relationship people, many of them talk about how you know, oh, conflict is just part of a relationship. Mm-hmm. To which I say, bullshit. Mm-hmm. That, that is absolutely not true, or it doesn't have to be true if you don't want it to be. You can mm-hmm. absolutely be in a conflict-free relationship. Conflict is the word we use as a synonym for war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a conflict is two sides in battle competing for the same physical space or competing for ideological superiority. It's mm-hmm. right and wrong. There's winners and losers. That's what conflict is. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can absolutely be in a relationship free of all of that bullshit. Um, you cannot be in a relationship that is free of tension. Okay. And so, yeah, I have a thought about that. Well, do you want to share that thought? Well, yes, because as you, as you say this, I feel into that and I don't know that I have, well, this is because of my overall perspective, all tension that I have is within me. I wouldn't say it's between you and I at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's a rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> we'll save that a, rabbit hole for a different day. Yeah. I mean, that's because you're talking about non-dual um, life experience at that point. Mm. Um, just not where people are going to be. Um, it's where people can head though, if they choose, but yeah. Yeah. So, so um, nonetheless, you, you still have an experience of Allow me, to, allow me to make my case, not, okay, not, please not, make attempt, case. not attempt to win an argument mm. or be right. Um, you still experience tension. 
you just don't project it into the world anymore. Mm. So you are still having relational tension. It's just that you, you, you have experience of and recognize a higher non-dual truth, which is that there is only you. <laughs> there is no other. Mm-hmm. So there, of course, there's no other to have tension with per se. Um, nonetheless, there, there, there are um, experiences of tension that come up in your being, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and again, you're just sort of saying what I said earlier, which is you don't you do a great job of not projecting that and pointing that out either at me or anywhere else in the world. Right. Um, so most most people, if you're listening to this, um, you're and and this is new to you, then just know that that's not where you are. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, if you're confused by that. Um, so so most people are going to experience tension in duality because they're still their consciousness resides primarily in duality and duality in a relationship shows up as the other right mm-hmm. so so we can be conflict free but but we can't be tension free because uh, tension comes from the presence of opposites and even to people like you and I who just fundamentally see the world from exactly the same perspective well not the same perspective in exactly the same sort of philosophical ways mm-hmm. in fact that's my whole point is that we we see the same truth from different perspectives mm-hmm. you see it from over there i see it from over here literally your eyes my eyes th- mm-hmm. those are opposites and anytime you have opposites in an electromagnetic universe you have tension Mm. Um, I see it from a masculine perspective. You see it from a feminine perspective, opposites. Mm. Um, so, so we, we are often seeing things sort of circling around some truth and seeing that from opposite sides. Mm -hmm. And the experience of that is one of tension. You'll say, I think this, and I'll think, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what you're saying. And in fact, I'm seeing something completely different, right? It's that old um, teaching story um, about the blind men and the elephant, right? And they each approach the elephant from a different perspective and, and somebody feels the trunk and says, I think it's a snake. And somebody feels the foot and says, you know, I think it's a hippo or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm completely yeah. butchering the story, but you get the point. <laughs> um, when you when you recognize what that story is pointing to, what that means is that for you and I in our relationship, the tension is a source of illumination. Mm. We recognize that when there's tension between us, there is an opportunity to um, to sort of learn something about this central truth um, that I w- that I wouldn't be able to learn without your perspective from mm-hmm. over there, and you wouldn't be able to learn without my perspective over here. Mm. And great. So now we have two perspectives <laughs> circling truth informing us. Mm-hmm. But again, the experience of that is going to be tension in the same way that, um, you know, as the moon orbits around the earth, the thing keeping it in place is, is tension. Mm. Um, so I, I got really wordy and philosophical there. Um, this was, we were going back before the whole, what can we do 
in the beginning. Right. I, because I like to sort of set that benchmark, I think, mm. and help people understand that you can have tension in a relationship that requires stepping out of the ego, noticing, reacting, requires all of these skills we're going to be talking about, mm. but can be done without the presence of conflict. Yeah. The attitude be, of being at war with the other person. Right. Rather than on the same team. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, um, and then you had some, you had a point that I just totally steamrolled. Um, what were you going to say before I went back even further? <laughs> um, you know, I think I was just asking you what you thought people could do when they were beginning. Oh, right. You know, yeah. Um, well, I think having an attitude of we're not at war, mm -hmm. right, that, that we're actually in tension and we're, we're circling around the truth and that there's an opportunity here for us to move deeper into truth. If, again, if we can, can step out of being right, mm -hmm. especially when you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's when you really need to do it. <laughs> that's when you really need to do it because otherwise you will just be always stuck in your own perspective and you're never opening yourself up to what the unconscious showing up as your partner is trying to show you mm. uh, about truth. What is it that I'm missing? And allowing two competing truths to both exist in, together in space. So again, from over here, you know, the guy, the guy holding the foot of the elephant is right. But if he's so invested in being right that he can't listen to the guy describing the, the snake, then he's never going to figure out it's an elephant. Mm. Right. So yes, you're right. That's a big foot. And, and there's no way that, that, that the thing you're touching can possibly be a snake because this, there's a huge foot here. Right. But if, but if you don't listen to that other perspective and honor its truth, you're never going to have the whole picture. Yeah. That's and that's, that's what's going on when tension arises in relationship. Mm. And, and it's so, an invitation to see more. <clears throat> yeah. It's an invitation to become conscious about what you're not conscious of. Mm -hmm. um, even if that's just becoming conscious of, you know, uh, this person's feelings are valid, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah, that's a huge attitude shift for a lot of people. Yeah. Because they don't or, even really believe that their feelings are valid. Right. Or becoming conscious of, um, wow, I chose to be loving and compassionate instead of right. Mm. And I felt really good afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like the universe seemed brighter and everything worked out just fine when I surrendered my hill that I was prepared to die on. Mm. I think we should do a part two of this. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pause here and uh, do part two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to say on, on okay. rudimentary strategies for uh, tension management. <laughs> not okay. conflict management. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stay tuned everyone. <laughs>